0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, Amen. Now, if somebody keeps doing that to me, it's like calling sick them to a dog you know come on. you just might have to we just might have to grab by the dug and and us take a run. <laughs> have you ever read verses in the Bible that you 've read and you 've read, read and you've read and you've read, and one day you take a look at it and there's something different about it. You see something that you never an aspect that you never saw before well. You know, if you go to verse 3, we're going to read the next three verses. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I have read that and read that and read that over the years. And to be honest with you, I suspect I'm not the only person that when you look at, at the word strongholds and imaginations, I mean, you're thinking of something that you need to get rid of. It's a, it's a negative connotation, right? But it says uh, that we're, we're pulling down strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, I take one look at that and I'm going, well, you know what? We're not supposed to cast down. Or pull down strongholds and imaginations that don't exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. There are some positive things about strongholds and imaginations that we need to take a good look at. You know, we look at this like from a negative kind of viewpoint. But there's a positive side to this. If you're, if you're looking at this going, okay, going to pull down the strongholds and the imaginations that exalts itself against not. that means there's some strongholds and imaginations that exalt God. Amen. Anybody ever thought about that? Yes. Well, good. Maybe you should be preaching this then. <laughs> but, but I went back and I looked. Well, what's a stronghold? A stronghold, according to the dictionary, is a well-fortified place. It's a fortress. And to fortify means to strengthen against attack, surround with defenses, to furnish with the means of resisting force. Doesn't that speak to you about what your life is supposed to be? You're supposed to erect some strongholds in your life. Things that exalt God things that that bring you closer to him, things that will put you in a place that you have been fortified against every attack that the enemy will ever bring into your life. Psalm 61.3 says, For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and you know, there, there are ways to do this. There are places to do this. We run into the name of the Lord. He's a strong tower. For, you ever been in a place where you're in a situation and, and suddenly the only thing you can do is call on the name of the Lord? That name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. Hallelujah. Well, who's the righteous? I is the righteous. Are you the righteous? I am the righteous run into it, and they're safe. Hallelujah. You know, but I realized that we have to build strongholds in our lives in, in a lot of different places. You know, and the Bible tells us that we do it. It's a progress. You know, it's just, it goes over in Isaiah. It's, it talks about, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon Precept line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's a building process. You don't get it overnight. You just don't get it overnight. It's amazing. The very, the very fundamental thing that we need to have a stronghold in is that we are born again. And yet, I have personally known of people who all their lives struggled with whether they were really born of God or not. Because the enemy just had them convinced, you know, that every little thing they did that wasn't exactly right cost them their salvation. And they worried and fretted and had anxiety over whether they actually were pleasing to God, whether God was actually their father, whether they actually were going to heaven. But you know what? That's a fundamental thing that we need to make sure that we are absolutely sure of. And the way you do that is just to spend time in fellowshiping with Father. You know, uh, Joshua 1.8 talks about meditating in the word day and night. That's how you build a stronghold of any kind is to meditate in it day and night. You know, it, it doesn't seem like that for most of us that we have really an issue with, with actually believing that we're born again. But, but, you know, I remember sitting in church one time on a, I think it was a Sunday morning, and suddenly this thought just came wafting through my mind that said, this whole, whole born again business, this whole serving Christianity business, all this is just, just a fairy tale. It's not real. In church, I'm sitting in church. The word of God is going forth and this crazy thought comes through my head. But you see, if I don't know for a fact that, that what I know is to, is to know God, is, and I am, I'm sure, I know, that I know 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 that I know, then I can just say, pass me on by to that thought. Just pass me on by. There's a stronghold been built up in me. But you know what? There are people, and I know of people who have been born again, spirit filled, and little by little, the enemy has eaten away at their confidence in the fact that this gospel is real to now they are declared atheists. And you wonder, how did that happen? How did that happen? They didn't build a stronghold there they didn't build on it paul said in second in first corinthians chapter 2 he said i determined not to know anything among you save jesus christ and him crucified there are things you have to determine not to know i don't know anything but i know god i know god did this for me i am i am determined you know, not to know anything. I have set my course. I've set my face. I have built a stronghold in this area, and you know, that's what we need to do. Uh, there, there are some strongholds that we need that we need to build. You know, beyond that, the fact that God is—I mean, you know—here, this, these people are suddenly now they're atheists. They don't even believe there is a God. Well, that's a fundamental a stronghold they should have built. God is. He is. He's real. He, he did create this world. He is what keeps this world spinning. He's what keeps me flat on the ground. You say, Oh, that's gravity. Well, who do you think put the gravity here? He is. His very presence, His Word, holds our world together. He is. You know, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, For he that comes to God must believe that He is. Well, how do you build a stronghold for that? Well, how about let's go back and, and just determine the names that God is known by. He's El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who supplies all my need. He's Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace. He's Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. And just go through the whole list of who he is. And then you get a stronghold built that God is right. He's real. And then you fortify that stronghold by knowing that God has intervened in your life, that it's his very presence that has caused you to be where you are, that has saved you from calamity, that has that has has preserved your life, that he met a need, that he did all these. The only person that could have done that was God. It was not by chance. There's this word serendipity, and I think it's just, you know, the, just the, the things that just happen by chance. Well, no, nothing happens by chance in God's world, and nothing happens by chance in our world if we're serving him. It's because he's determined some things, and we've, we are cooperating with the things that he's determined for us. That's how we see that. How about Jesus is my Savior? Go with me to Galatians 2.20. Oh, I love it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I tell you, Jesus is my Savior, God is my Father. The Father's love is what sent Jesus the Savior to me. There's all kinds of scriptures you can go find to build on, to make sure that you know that that is a stronghold in your life. You know, if somebody has not had an opportunity... To be in the kind of natural family where their father was good to them, then they may not understand just how good God is. It may be a concept that they have find very difficult to lay hold of. But I tell you what, the more you spend time in the word, the more you spend time in, in these things, the more you spend time just fellowshipping with him, the more real that love becomes to you, the more real it is, you know, that, that God, I am everything to God and he is everything to me. It has to to be that way because your priority in life has got to be God first. I don't care what kind of relationships you have in life, whether it's with parents, whether it's with children, whether it's with spouse, whether it's with brother or sister. I don't care who's... God's got to be first. He's got to be. He is... That relationship with Him is the relationship out of all the other relationships are blessed. If you try to put another relationship with another person above your relationship with God the Father, it's not going to be successful. And you're going to be very disappointed one day because natural human people will at some point in your life let you down. But God never will. There are times when you need that friend, you need that family member so desperately, and, and you can't get a hold of them. They, you know, They're not around. They're oblivious to what's going on in your life. But God is never oblivious to what's going on in your life. He is always watching over you, caring for you, doing for you, working on your behalf, showing his compassion, showing his mercy, showing his love. Oh, we have, to, we have to build on that. Hallelujah. How about the past is gone? Oh, for some of us, you know, the enemy wants to replace some things. You know, just every once in a while, when things that you haven't thought about in years, he'll, he'll bring to your mind. You're going to have to have a stronghold against that kind of nonsense. Obviously, you know, you know the scripture you need to go to, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know that. And I tell you what, it's always good to go back and look at it again. Because you need, you need to be so familiar with it that you can quote it in your sleep. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, of course, I've got written in here, the NIV says, The old has gone, the new has come. William says, He is the work of a new creation. Another one says that we're in Christ. We're in union with Christ. Hallelujah. And another one says a new creature, a new person altogether. The old man is dead and gone. I have had to tell the enemy more times than I can count. Listen, the person who did those things, the person that you're talking about is dead. Dead. Do you hear me? Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. Dead. Go have a conversation with, him, with them if you want. It won't profit you anything. But you're not going to have that conversation with me. He wants to, oh, drag something out of the closet. Oh, fine. Like somebody dragged something out of the closet. I can just let him say, that's not me. That's the old me. But there's a new me now. Because all that old me is under the blood. It's washed. It's gone. It's dead. It's buried. It stayed in hell. When, when I was crucified and buried with Jesus, hallelujah, it was buried with him and it's not being resurrected. You will not resurrect it. I will not let you resurrect it. I will not be ashamed or embarrassed of what the old man did because it doesn't have nothing to do with me anymore. Absolutely nothing. It's history. That's all it is. It's history. And history is just that. It's, it's stuff that happened in the past. That's all it is. How about provision is always mine? There are so many areas that you need to build yourself up in. Provision is always mine. Psalm 21, 23, verse 1, For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. You know some translations, I shall not want for anything. For anything. He didn't qualify that. He just said anything. What is anything? Anything. That's exactly what that is. How about Philippians 4, 9, four nineteen? But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches, which are significant, to say the least, his glory in Christ Jesus. How about 1 John 1, 2? Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. There are scripture upon scripture upon scripture of things you can use to build that fortification. You know, over in Matthew 7, let's go over there. Matthew 7, verses uh, 24. Now, we've looked at this so many times. You know, and for other applications, it says, Therefore, whosoever says, hears these sayings of mine does them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock, building a fortress. And everyone, uh, let's see, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened to the foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You got one person building a fortress, another person building a sand castle. Both of them are castles. One made out of sand, one made out of something solid, built on a rock. You know, I remember, and most of you remember, Brother Wally red wine, when he had that, that horrendous stroke. You know, and I want to tell you, Wally is, is the perfect example of what it means and the influence, the effect it has when you build a stronghold. Wally had built a stronghold of healing in his life. You know, he, he, he constantly fed on the word of God where healing was concerned. And when that stroke happened to him and they said he can't make it, He's not going to pull out of this. I mean, the damage in the area of his brain is is severe, and it's a serious area. You don't recover from this. You know, because he had built a stronghold, God had something to work with. Even when Wally could not express a scripture... When he could not read a word, when he could not speak, when he seemed to be unconscious, the spirit man on the inside of him had built such a stronghold that in the middle of the night, when they said he would not survive, he woke up and said, hey, what's going on? Listen, when you go into crisis, it makes a difference if you've built a stronghold or not. People will say, yeah, but they're good Christians. Yeah, but what did they do with the ability to build a stronghold? What did they do? Did they just ever once in a while take a flippant glance at the healing scriptures? Oh, yeah, God heals me, you know. Or did they stay in it day and night and build something strong and high? Did they build it or did they just kind of go, oh, let me set a few blocks up here and there? You know what happens when you put a few blocks up without any mortar to, to hold them together? It falls over. And so sometimes people will go, well, what, what? Well, somebody like Wally came out of this. Well, how come we couldn't get this person out? Listen, crisis will tell you what kind of a house you've built. Over the years, I have seen people who fall apart at the least little thing in their lives. And when the big thing comes, they are I mean, they're wiped out, just wiped out. I, I remember years ago, there was there was somebody who just, everything that happened, they were just falling apart. And I'm going, get it together here, please. You've been around long enough. You've heard the word long enough. You should not be falling apart. But they were. So, you know, when you look at people and you think, well, how come somebody got their answer and somebody didn't? Makes me wonder what kind of a stronghold had they built. Had they really spent any time setting up the building that they needed to build? Had they spent any time doing that? Or had it just been just so much fluff? You know, the, the three little pigs, you know, came to, what was it, the house made of all the different things, you know. And the enemy came and huffed and puffed and blew their house down. Sometimes it takes a little old, you know, 10-mile-an-hour wind to knock some things over. Can you withstand the hurricane force winds? Spiritually speaking? You need to take a look. Listen, if your foundation isn't good to start with, then what you build on won't last. But you've got to fa- find out what the fundamentals are, and you've got to build on the fundamentals. You know, I can see where the word itself is the building bricks, the blocks. And I can see we're speaking that word, you know, it's the mortar that holds it all together because you need to to read, you need to speak. You need to see, you need to speak. You need to see, you need to say. And when you do all of those things, something comes together that's strong. Rebar is put in those walls. You know, plain old concrete just by itself, you just pour it without some rebar in it, that ain't gonna be much of a foundation for a house. You've got to reinforce it, and you've got to make sure it stays reinforced. It takes maintenance on a house. It takes maintenance on a a fortress, or else it's going to fall. You go back over to Europe, and you see all these old castles left left unmaintained. They're falling apart. They're interesting to look at. Is that all anybody's going to be able to say about you? You're interesting to look at. Or are they going to be amazed at the condition that you're in? Are they just going to be, I'm telling you what, look at that. It doesn't matter what happens. They just stand through it all. Hmm. Wally did. He did. He came through that. When there was, uh, they, they said there was no hope, but he had something going in of what he had built that the Holy Ghost could partner with him and bring him out. Put yourself in a place where the Holy Ghost and the Father God can partner with you in a time when you can't do anything physically for yourself and and get some results that are God results. Hallelujah. Listen, the, uh, the towers that, b- that were built, you know, in medieval times, the, t- the castles and stuff that you see over in Europe and all these other places, um, they were built to withstand against enemies. And uh, the enemy would come and he would lay siege to the fortified places. Now, there was three things that the, that the enemy could do. Number one, there was bombardment. Anybody ever seen one of those old, old, in these old movies and stuff, the guys that bring, they bring the catapults, you know, they put a rock on there and they sling it at the, at the side of the castle, the side of the fort, the side of, you know, of the fortress, you know, and, and they, they're doing their best to make the walls crumble. They, they want to they wanna, they wanna put a hole in the wall, and keep putting a hole in the wall until the whole thing falls down and they can kind of go through. It's the interesting thing about, about Jericho. They used no catapults. They used nothing against those fortified walls. They used use the name of the Lord. That's all they used. And they didn't just crumble. They fell right down. That's what's supposed to happen to our enemies. It's not what's supposed to happen to us. You don't just give in because somebody's throwing something at you. And you don't give in because they throw something continually at you. So that's, that's his number one trick is the bombardment. You know, because here it is. The enemy seems to think that if he can just get at you one stone at a time, he can just take one stone at a time, one stone at a time, one stone at a time, you will fall. And that's true for some people because those walls aren't as fortified as they ought to be. Then the next thing is they wanted to starve people out. They they wanted to to cut off water supplies. If a castle was built on a river and they could figure out how to dam up the river... Then they would cut off their water supply. But here, here's the thing: in a, in 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 food, in the food category, you know, somebody knew the enemy was coming. They could store up food and water inside. But you don't always know when the enemy's going to show up. So you can't wait to say, f- "Okay, okay, 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 I see him coming. Let me let me go get let, let, let me run get my scriptures. Let me run, do this. Let me run, do this." No, you need to be prepared ahead of time. John, in John 6, it talks about Jesus is the bread of life. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about how I fed you with milk and not with meat. John 21, again, talks about feeding my lambs and my sheep. First Peter talks about feeding the flock of God. Listen, Psalm 23, there is a verse that says, I've prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. There is all kind of food available for you. God has, has intended that you build a fortress where the food supply on the inside of that fortress is t- endless. It's endless. It's endless. It meets every need, every need. And then if the enemy could cut off the water supply, he knew he didn't have long for another one that either got so thirsty they had to come out or, or they started resorting to drastic measures. But I'm telling you what, there's an endless supply of water in the fortress that you build on the, word, on the Word of God. There is, in John 4, 4, it talks about a well of water springing up on the inside of you. And then again, in John 7, it talks about out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You are never without a water supply. The enemy, If the enemy can cut off your food supply or your water supply, he's got you. Mm-hmm. When you stop feeding on the Word, when you stop going to church to hear the Word, when you stop being in the place where where God has provision for you, he's got answers for you. Wasn't, didn't Pastor Nancy say that, that last night she was here? Sometimes the problem with your miracle is that you didn't show up for it. You cut yourself off from your food supply when you stop praying. Listen, it's important that you pray. It's important that you pray in the Holy Ghost. There's a river flowing out of you when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude talks about building up yourselves praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get through this whole thing. Um, Listen, the world wants to wear you down little by little. And you have to be aware of their tactics. There has to be... You can talk about all kind of strongholds where healing is concerned, where provision is concerned, where all kind of different things in your life. You have to build strongholds for those areas. But I'm telling you what, there are areas of our lives that we need to build. Things like integrity. We need to have such integrity that doesn't matter where we go or what's put in front of us that we hang on to our integrity, that we set the standard for others, not let others take advantage of our integrity and pull us down to their level. It's not a time for compromise. It's not a time for letting go of your integrity. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Just because somebody else is drinking doesn't mean you're going to be drinking. I understand that people in the business world, especially when you have to travel, you know, maybe you wind up in business situations, maybe a business dinner or something, you know, where somebody is drinking and they offer you something. Say no. Preserve that stronghold of integrity in your life. When there's there's off-color remarks going on, excuse yourself. Maintain your integrity. That's not preventing a holier-than-thou attitude. It's presenting a, a, a place where you don't want that kind of stuff to defile the temple of God that you are. And that's what it does. Don't be a party to those things. You, you deal in your everyday life, your financial dealings and, and everything else with integrity. Integrity. Don't ever take the easy way out. It's easy. I, I mean, I worked for somebody years ago, a couple of different people, you know, before, before we, you know, we were pastoring, and, and lying was common. Oh, well, just tell them this. I said, nope. I mean, well, I worked for somebody after after we were here in this town. I mean, said, well, just tell them so and so. And I went, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie to them. Oh, but she, it's okay. No, it's not okay. I mean, while we were at Ramah, I had to confront this big doctor that's, that was bigger than Steve Green. And he, I mean, he was Dr. Art. We called him the bear. And he wanted me to call a patient up and tell him something that wasn't so. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I said, if you want to tell her a lie, you can do that. But I won't do that. Well, he never asked me to do that. And before I left, he and I had a private conversation that was wonderful. You have, there's a reason, not just for your own sake that you have to preserve your integrity. It's for the sake of the people that you're being a witness to. And right now, integrity is sadly lacking in many places. Not just the world, but in the Christian world, integrity is lacking. And we need to build some strongholds of integrity back into our lives. Um, You know, there was a place called Masada. You remember that after Jesus was crucified, and you, know, we got down and there was a rebellion against the Roman Empire, and the, and these and the Jewish zealots went up into this this high place called Masada, and the, the Roman oh, soldiers encamped around There were thousands of them, compared to what there were up there on that mountain, and yet they held them off for I don't even remember how how many days it was, held them off, but they eventually gave in. Now the sad thing about it was they ki- they all killed themselves. Instead of being taken captive by the Romans. I don't want you to kill yourself, okay? But don't be taken captive either. Don't let the enemy wear you down. You can start out good, but you can remain strong.